Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Well, as I mentioned before, last week was Easter. Anyone managed to get along to one of our Easter gatherings over the weekend or somewhere else? I know, I'm pretty sure I saw just about everyone's faces at Easter. If you weren't here, I, you, you had a leap fast. I knew you were worshipping somewhere else, so you're forgiven for that. That's okay. That was a joke, by the way. But this morning, we reflect on the truth that Jesus is alive. And that with that life comes an entirely new way of seeing and living in the world. The calling, as we've sung about this morning and as I've hinted at already, the calling of the Christian life is an extraordinary one. But it's a, if we're honest, and if you're, if you're with us this morning, joining us online and you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad you're here because this morning I want to give you a snapshot into the Christian life. And a snapshot into perhaps why it is that we as followers of Jesus find it so hard and why we don't get it right all of the time. When Jesus was with his disciples, he gave them a bunch of commands, didn't he? But the greatest of them, the one that lands most heavily with us. He says, a new command in John 13. He says, a new command I give to you. Love one another. Cool. I can do that. You can do that, right? Love one another. Here's the, here's the next bit. As I have loved you. So you must, so you are compelled, so I am calling you, requiring you to love one another. He goes on to say, and this is how everyone, anywhere, at any stage of the future, will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. Seems straightforward, seems simple enough. But what I want to talk about over the next three weeks is the reality that we find ourselves in when we try and live that passage out. That for you and I, we celebrated last week the resurrected life. We celebrated that Jesus is no longer dead, but instead He is raised to life. And by being raised to life, He conquered the grave. He conquered sin. He conquered death. And with that new life, we, we can find freedom when we just believe and trust in Him. That's the good news. That's what is there. 
for us. That's what is available to us. But the promise of Jesus is not that we would just find life in eternity with Him once we breathe our final breaths on this earth. That's, it, that's part of the promise, but that's not the whole promise, is it? For Jesus also promises that we would find life in this age, at this time, where we are now to its fullest, based on His resurrection as well. So it's a, it's, it's a, a now and a not yet reality that Jesus offers us through faith in Him. But what I want to talk about is what does that even look like? How do we do this? For if you've lived life for any length of time at all and tried to do what it is that Jesus asks of us in that very simple moment, talking to his disciples, it was the last time that he would have a deep and meaningful conversation with them before he went to the cross. And he tells them a whole bunch of different stuff. It tells them about what's going to happen and it's, he's getting really quite an intimate conversation with them, revealing a whole bunch of stuff. And this is the command that He gives them. But if you and I, if we've ever tried to live this out, we know that it's not as easy as it sounds. About a month ago, we had the privilege of, I had the privilege of um, conducting the marriage for two beautiful people in our congregation, Haley and Zach. And I haven't asked them to share anything about the day. Um, Zach was up behind me on the drum. So I'm not going to share anything about them as a couple, because that's not fair. But what I will say is what I reflected on when they gathered for marriage. We gathered there under a Morton Bay fig tree down Semaphore Way. And we talked about the reality of marriage. It's one of the things that I think is so important to preach about in a marriage ceremony is that it's hard. Anyone here married? Anyone here been married? Anyone here had, had a journey, significant journey with, with an, another person? People are hard work, man. I'm hard work. I know that. You're hard work. You know that. And so the... And I suppose, if I were to be honest... For many people, I don't want to be contrite about this illustration, but for many people, and I've journeyed through this with my parents, my own family, is that this whole calling to love one another above ourselves is so hard that sometimes we can't manage it. And the relationship breaks. And people get divorced, and that might be your story. And so you get us... For those of you that have journeyed with some sense of that, have an understanding that this calling to love beyond our desires is huge. It is almost beyond our capacity. And that's the point that I drove home that day for these two beautiful people getting married was, you might think it's easy now, but they're going to do some stuff that bugs you every single morning, and you're going to struggle, but yet you're still called to love them, which means when the honeymoon is over, and it's not rosy anymore, what have you got left to draw upon, to get 
this right. And the reality of our calling as followers of Jesus, and what I want to spend the rest of my time talking about this morning, is that when it gets hard to live out the calling that Jesus placed upon our life to love one another as He has loved us, which is a sacrificial type of love, when that gets hard, what have you got left to draw upon? What have you got to help you do the stuff you don't want to do because Jesus has called us to? And so what I want to look at with Jesus' conversation this morning When he's sitting there talking, discussing the realities of things with his disciples, he he offers them a perspective. He offers them something from which they're able to do, to, to be able to make this calling possible in their life. So the first part of the resurrected life that I want to look at throughout this series is the secret source to getting this calling of Jesus right. Every one of us loves a secret sauce. I don't know about you, but I love KFC. My waistline loves KFC, and so I don't eat it that often. But there's 11 secret herbs and spices in KFC. They're not secret anymore, are they? Apparently, we know what they are. I don't know what they are. And I'm not going to cook them, so someone else can, which is great. But there's, that, there's a secret that makes what they offer tasty, wonderful, great, better than I could do. And in the same way, that's an interesting illustration, isn't it? In the same way, like KFC, when we live out our life with this secret something as a part of our journey, it becomes far better and far easier, far more wonderful than it would have been otherwise. And I know some of you are saying, well, I I cook chicken way better than KFC. So let's not push the illustration further than it needs to go. And of course, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit is what I'm talking about. If you haven't connected the dots yet this morning, it's the mysterious part of our Christian faith that Jesus talks about so clearly to his disciples. He says that I am going to go. I'm not sticking around with you guys. And you're not going to understand and you're going to find it hard but I'm not sticking around. But even though I'm not going to be here, I still need you to love one another sacrificially. I need you to love in such a way that the world takes notice. It's going to be different to everyone else. And the disciples, I can imagine them saying, well, Jesus, that's hard. How how am I supposed to do that? And he says, I'm going to send someone to you. He calls him the advocate. He calls him the, um, I've lost the word for it in the Greek, Ken could tell me. <laughs> no, he's shaking his head, he's like, no, I can't, are you kidding me? The paraclete, thank you. That, that, that being that will reside with us, and Jesus says to us, let me find the passage specifically, If you love me, I think that's the next one, in verse 14, chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask, 
And he will give you another advocate to help you, to be with you forever. He will be the spirit of truth. So Jesus, in communicating to his disciples about all that is to come, says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you to do this on your own because it's beyond you. And he says, instead, I will send someone to be with you, an advocate that will help you, and that advocate will be with you forever. And he goes on to tell us, or he tells the disciples three different ways that this Holy Spirit is going to be there for the disciples, going to be there for these apostles, these people who are called to carry the message of Jesus into the world. And I think these three things speak as powerfully to you and me as they do to the disciples that day. That day when I think they had no idea what Jesus was really talking about. But after the fact, when they think about it all, they realize the power that is available. And so there's two things I want to mention before I go any further. The first one is this. Holy Spirit is not an it. Let's clear that one out. If I've, if I've used the Holy Spirit as an it already, I apologize. But Jesus is so clear about this. He says the Holy Spirit is His Spirit. It, the Holy Spirit is a, a person. It is a being. It is a, a personified being. And so one of the things that we need to get out of our head and get out of our mind is the understanding that we often receive from culture about the Holy Spirit, and that is it is an it. It is a force. Let's push the Star Wars to the side. Use the force, Luke. That's what it's there for. Because far more wondrous than that, the Holy Spirit is not just something cool that helps us do stuff. The Holy Spirit is a being that journeys with us. And the reason I say that is because when we look a little closer at what the Holy Spirit does for us and with us, we realize that unless the Holy Spirit is a being, it cannot do what Jesus has promised it will achieve. He. I'm going to use, can I use the word he or shall I use the word she? The he. I'll use the word he because Jesus said it's my spirit. And so let's do that. But I want to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit, quite honestly, like God, is outside the dynamics of gender. Let's just, let's just put that out there, and then we'll leave it to the side. Okay? So He is the Holy Spirit as Jesus. So the first thing that we need to, we need to recognize is that the, Jesus, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is a being. And the second thing that we need to realize is that if we ever try to do the Christian life, if, if we exist in the world and if we are journeying through life as a follower of Jesus without the Holy Spirit as a category for our faith, then we are doomed to fail. Now, don't get me wrong, you can be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. That's fine. You can be a Christian all day long and twice on Sundays without the Holy Spirit. That's fine. Because our culture has a whole bunch of different definitions for what a Christian is. But if you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to be a disciple, if you want to be someone 
that is coming under the authority of and deeply wants to live out the mission of Jesus in the world, friends. You cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. It can't be done. So I want to keep those two things, I want us to keep those two things front and center as we think about all of this. And I I guess I I want to apologize in some ways if that sort of second bit offended you, but then I want to not apologize because it's the truth. Because I don't know about you, but in my life, I have done, I have walked as a Christian for 22-ish years since I declared faith for myself. For a big portion of that, I have been a professional Christian, pastor. For a big portion of that, I've been a follower of Jesus. But a big portion of that, I was a Christian. And lived life as if the Holy Spirit wasn't even there. And the way that our life looks and the way and our ability to love when things are hard is a direct connection to our our understanding of the reality of the Spirit at work in our life. But let me dive into what Jesus says the Spirit offers to His followers. He says, I will not leave you alone. I will give someone to you who will help you in this journey as followers. The first thing that I think we need to understand comes from that, that verse that I just mentioned. If you love me, you will obey my commandments, and I will give you another to help you and to be with you. Friends, in the journey of the, in the Christian faith, we are called not to do this journey alone. And so I believe the first thing that the, that the Holy Spirit offers to us in our journey is it offers comfort. One of the translations of advocate is the term comforter. The one that will be with us when things get hard. The one that would be with the disciples when everything was about to go to custard. And they were going to be challenged and tested long past what they would have been able to bear otherwise. And so for you this morning, maybe what you need to hear about the resurrected life is that you have a Holy Spirit that is there to be with you, to walk alongside you, to never leave you or forsake you. That was Jesus' promise, wasn't it? I will never leave you nor forsake you. One of the biggest fallacies about the Christian life is that it's beautiful people living beautiful lives, right? I mean, you're beautiful people, don't get me wrong. Beautiful, handsome, all the things. But the biggest lie that we, that has ever been perpetuated is that Christianity is about a whole bunch of people with it together all the time. No. No. Friends, if you and I live in the world, life gets hard. There is suffering in the world. There is brokenness in the world. There is sin that people inflict upon the world and upon others. And so Jesus said, in this life, you will, a definite imperative, you will have troubles. But do not be afraid. Why? Because I have overcome the world, Jesus said. 
That doesn't mean you won't struggle. But it does mean that when we encounter those things, Jesus promised that there would be someone to sit beside us. One of the things that I have, that we learn in, 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 in seminary and Bible college, is they teach us pastoral care. Now, whether you think I'm good at pastoral care or not, let's leave that off the table. But when we get taught pastoral care, and this might be your experience, is when we go through times of grief and suffering and pain, what do we need from others? We need comfort. What is unhelpful? Contrite statements. Uh, yeah, I know what you're going through. Back when I was in... Anyone ever tried to comfort you that way? Oh, at least... I know it's kind of bad, but at least you're not as bad as... Anyone ever heard that one? <laughs> yeah. Don't nudge anyone. Don't elbow anybody. The frank reality is that when we go through grief and suffering, what we need is we need comfort. But comfort comes from proximity and, frankly, silence. The best thing that we can offer others, one another, in pain and suffering is to come alongside and shut up. And friends... That's the truth that we get to journey with as followers of Jesus, is that when we place our faith in Jesus, when we step into this resurrected life, that you and I have access to a level of comfort in the world that is not available to anybody else. That when life gets hard, you can, you can smile, you can move forward, you can find a sense of hope, joy, and meaning and significance, not because life doesn't suck, but because there is someone there with you to comfort you amidst those challenges. And it's someone who does not say stupid things to try and help. That someone is Jesus' Spirit Himself sitting alongside you. And friends, if we're honest, when we see people journey through pain and suffering, I don't know, and you might have seen this, when someone goes through something and you're convinced they should be more upset than they are, and you wonder why that's the case. Is it because they're ignorant of reality? No. I find when I sit and talk with someone about what they're going through, a cancer diagnosis, a relationship breakdown, when there is Someone that's just able to just, it seems like there's, they're more grounded than, than their situation should warrant them to be. They, the conversation variably turns down to, well, I have a hope that's greater than what I've got going on right now. I've got a hope that Jesus is with me through that. That was Jesus' promise. So, friends, the resurrected life offers us a hope that is greater than our situation and offers us someone to journey with us, a comforter. So it might be for you this morning, you need to understand that, the that you and your resurrected life, you, that your journey as a follower of Jesus, you need to be reminded that Jesus is with you. He promised to be. And He died and was raised to life. He predicted it. 
He predicted his death and resurrection and then pulled it off. So I'm inclined to believe his promises, aren't you? And so maybe this morning you need to hear that Jesus is with you, the Holy Spirit as comforter. The second thing that Jesus talks about is the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit convicts us as followers of Jesus. And now, Josh, you say, I'm, I can get around the comfort, the conviction I'm not so sure about. Because conviction makes us feel bad. Back to the passage in, in chapter 14. Oh, no, here it is, sorry, chapter 16. Sorry, Bethany, I'm making you jump around today. Chapter 16, verse 7. Very truly, he says, I tell you, it is good for you that I am going away. He says it's good for you. Because unless I go away, the advocate, there's our word, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can no longer see me and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus says, I'm going to send someone to you who is going to convict the world going to convict us of what, of how things really are. Now, do you know what conviction is? Conviction is a picture in our heart of the way things could and should be. Conviction is not guilt and shame. Conviction is, is, is not the judgment that we place upon ourselves, or I would argue that the enemy or that anyone else places upon us based on the brokenness of our situation. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. That's not what conviction is. I believe conviction is the Holy Spirit saying to you, I think you're made for more. Do you know where that's going to lead you? God's got something different, something better in mind for you than this. You were made for more than this. Because what is sin? Sin is the selfishness within us. Sin is the, the brokenness in our world, and it separates us from God. But do you know what else sin does? Sin kills things. And you know it, and I know it. Because sin kills relationships. Greed and idolatry in our finances kills our finances. Sin kills our self-worth. Sin kills our purpose. A sense of belonging. Brings destruction in every place. And I believe that the Holy Spirit... And to live this resurrected life, you and I are given a Holy Spirit that convicts us. Not to, to keep on guilt and shame, but instead to lift our eyes to see you were made for something better than that. There's more. God has more in store for you than the way you're currently living life. 
And to be honest, I think sometimes we need to hear that. We need to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. But the thing the Holy Spirit doesn't do is remind us of and heap that shame and that brokenness and leave us there. And if the Holy Spirit always, I would say, if you've ever had an internal voice that's told you that you are worth nothing and that all that you have done is amounted to nothing and that you are an absolute piece of detritus worth being put on the garbage heap, then that's not the Holy Spirit. Even though your sin might have taken you there. Do you know why? Because the Holy Spirit, through conviction, wants to bring us somewhere. Because conviction, I believe, is a picture of the way that we were made for more. And then it is a calling, a discontent. I like to call it a holy discontent or a crystallization of discontent that carries us forward and gives us a new way to live life. Have you ever had that moment where you go, I'm done with this. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to live this way anymore. I've had enough of it. I'm done with chocolate. I'm done with being unhealthy. I'm done with being unfit. I'm done with being lazy. I'm done with being ungrateful. I'm done with feeling this way all the time. Friends, I think that is the Holy Spirit convicting us of a new and a better way to live life. A life that isn't defined by condemnation and hopelessness, but instead it is defined by a picture of that which God is calling us to. So friends, living the resurrected life offers us a Holy Spirit that convicts us of how things are and then offers us a better way forward. Paints a picture, creates a discontent for us to make a change. And the third thing Jesus talks about that that the Holy Spirit does for us in this resurrected life is the Holy Spirit teaches us the truth of God teaches us the truth about God. In, verse, in chapter 14, verse 25, Jesus says, All this I have spoken while I was still with you, but the Advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So not only has Jesus offered a Holy Spirit that brings comfort, and not only has Jesus offered us a Holy Spirit that helps within us see the areas of discontent, but I believe the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells us, offers us the truth about the way things are. when things are complicated. Because there, did you realize that there is no way that the first century scriptures could tell us who to vote for in the next election? Did you, is it in here? Is, is, is it not? Hang on, let me check Ezekiel. Just hang on. 
uh, vote Labour. All right, brilliant. Let's do that. No, it's not in there. So much about the complexity of the Christian life is not explicitly spelled out for us. So much of it requires nuance. So much of it is 50 shades of grey, if I may use the term. And I think Jesus knew that, didn't he? He knew that this would be hard. He knew that it, there was, there's no roadmap for life that would be comprehensive enough for us to understand how to live and love the way He calls us to at all times. And so He said, I'm going to do one better than to write you a 15,000-page manual on how to live life. He says, I'm going to put a spirit within you that has all the wisdom that you will ever need to be able to guide you in the way that I call you to love and live in the world. And there's a couple of qualifications I want to put to that. The first thing is that I believe the Holy Spirit will speak truth and teach us the right ways to do things. But you say, Josh, but how do we, how do we know that it's the Holy Spirit and not me? Well, the first thing would be the Holy Spirit will never contradict this. Won't contradict what we see and we read and we understand in Scripture about God and about God's heart and about God's love for the world. So if the Holy Spirit tells you, that you're okay to not forgive that person, that's not the Holy Spirit, that's your selfishness talking. I might be willing to give you a pass based on how much they offended you, but the Holy Spirit won't. And so the Holy Spirit's never going to contradict the Scriptures. And the second thing, or the second way that I believe the Holy Spirit teaches us is through other holy people. Anyone have a holy person in their life? You're sitting next to them, whether you think they are or not, right this moment in time. No matter what your drive to church was like, you have a holy person sitting next to you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit can speak truth and wisdom into our lives, that Jesus' Spirit is within the people around you to speak truth and encouragement and hope to teach you stuff. And so often, we know it. It's just we don't want to hear it. And don't be going nudging your spouse or your partner or anything like that. I've seen, I told you to do the dishes. The Holy Spirit was telling me to tell you to do the dishes. And whilst that might be true, and it's kind of funny, sometimes with the deeper things in life, the people that are closest to us and the people that know us well, I believe sometimes the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the very Spirit of God, is trying to teach us some stuff about the way we should be living. And sometimes we need to open our ears and listen because the loved ones around us have got some wisdom. And it's not just their wisdom, it could be God's as well. So friends, that's, the, that's I believe, the way that Jesus calls us to live the resurrected life. That he did, that when he called his disciples and then you and I to love radically, to live sacrificially, he didn't say, go and do it and good luck. 
He said, go and do it, and I will be with you. And when it's hard, I will comfort you. And when you're on the wrong track, I will convict you. And when you need to know more, I will teach you. And I'll do it with my spirit within you and around you. Friends, the resurrected life is not one we have to live alone, but is one we get to to live in community. There's so much more I could say, but I'm going to leave it there and pick it up next week. And so I would just want to leave you with a challenge before we sing our final song. I might invite the, the band up if we can. I want to leave you with a challenge. If you, have, if you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus and you have never considered the Holy Spirit to be a part of your life, I invite you to think, of it, think about it this week. Think about what it might be to invite the Spirit to speak to your heart, maybe for the first time. Because Jesus was so clear that you cannot follow Him without the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. You won't be able to do it. You won't have what it takes. And so that might be your journey. But maybe for you it's that you had no idea the way that Jesus is present with you. You might have been following Jesus forever. But you never truly understood that Jesus is there to comfort you. That he will call you to the better way of life. And then he'll bring people around you to give you the wisdom that you need. Also that he can live out his promise that says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Friends, let's live that resurrected life. Knowing that when Jesus calls us, we can respond, not in our own strength, but in the strength that he has given us. Let's pray, church. Loving and gracious God, it's such a big thing to live out this life that you have called us to. A life of purpose and meaning and significance, but above all else, a life of sacrificial love. And it's a high calling. I know it is. And Lord, you knew we wouldn't be able to do it in our own strength, but you also didn't leave us to flounder around in our our inadequacy, but instead you gave us your very spirit that we might be able to live this new life you call us to. Lord, we're sorry for the times that we struggle to or not even kept sight of the spirit at work in our life. But Lord, give us the courage to listen more deeply to that spirit you've placed within us, to listen deeply to the spirit you've placed in those around us and find that which we need for the journey that you have called us to. In your name we pray. Amen.